What would you pay to have the freedom to do what you want, when you want, how you want? On today's episode, we're going to talk about the five types of wealth and why people chase only one at the cost of the others. Let us help you reach your peak in retirement. It's time for Your Retirement Elevated. Thanks for joining us for another edition of Your Retirement Elevated. Walter Storholt here alongside Scott Dugan, co-founder, managing partner of Elevated Retirement Group, based in the KC metro area, but serving clients all across the country. We can't wait to answer some of your burning questions on today's episode as we talk about the five types of wealth. Yeah, it's defined in more than one way and why it's so detrimental if you just chase one of them at the cost and the expense of the others. Can't wait to hear this breakdown from Scott today. It is good to be with you, my friend. How was your Thanksgiving? It was fantastic. How about you? It was good. My turkey was only two hours late. So that was that was a big improvement from the year that we ate at like 1130 at night. So. That is a, yeah, a good departure. <laughs> so we tried something a little different there. Um, my brother spatchcocked a turkey. Say what? Okay, you're always teaching me something new here on this show. It Usually out. it's financial, but what, what is this now? So spatchcocking, if you search that, basically you, you I'm kind of scared to search that. But. <laughs> Be careful. <laughs> uh, you basically cut the turkey and you lay it open so and flatten it out. And so it's all still intact, but you trim underneath and lay it out flat, tuck the tuck the legs and the wings and everything under it. Okay. And so cooked in two hours. Oh, interesting. Yeah. So now he, he so did kind of, Is this kind of like butterflying? Uh, like you'd butterfly a shrimp? You kind of butterfly a... Oh, well, yeah. Okay. Yeah. And so so cooks super evenly. Uh, like I say, cuts down the cooking time. He, he, I think he got it done in two hours. That's cool. And I'd have to say, it was, it, he, he did brine it. And so that takes a little bit of time beforehand, but I would have to venture to guess that may have been the best turkey that we had on Thanksgiving. Oh, that is cool. I am totally so, going to do that next year. Yeah, so. That sounds way better than trying to cook the whole thing with the cavity. Oh, yeah. and, it's, and that was my problem this year. I overstuffed the cavity. And I think uh, the heat wasn't getting into the middle to be able to help cook it from the inside. And I think that's, mm-hmm. that's where I took so long. It took way longer than it was supposed yeah. to. And I, tell you, and I do, I make the dressing every year and it's way easier to just do that in a nine by 13 pan. You bake it, get it crispy on top. It's the bomb. That is so, cool. So there's my, there's my two tips. Um, spatchcock a turkey works for a chicken too. And then, uh, then you can just make your dressing in a pan and call it good. I wonder how duck would do like that. I bet duck, same thing. I like cooking duck. So that would be yeah. fun to do with duck and also lower that cook time. So Duck would be cool. easier because it's higher. It's more forgivable. It's higher fat content for sure. For sure, turkey not so much. I'm looking at pictures now, and uh, <laughs> it looks really, really good. So, in fact, let's get on with this episode. I'm going to go Absolutely. eat something <laughs> yeah. after looking at these pictures. I'm a snack now. That's right. Enough time has passed where my appetite is back from uh, from Thanksgiving. There you go. All right. Well, uh, you are a wealth of information, my friend, um, with all of your cooking knowledge in addition to your financial knowledge. Tell us about the five types of wealth. You'd love that transition, by the way, don't you? That was fantastic. <laughs> Way to tee me up. Well, you know, in the intro, you talked about, you know, what would you pay to have the freedom to do what you want, when you want, and how you want? And for most of us, that's going to be 35 years of our life. 
around about that time until you've earned enough to retire. And once we reach that enough is enough number where work is optional and we have enough resources to provide a paycheck. And we're very fortunate that our the, the families that we serve and take care of, uh, they're usually fantastic savers. They're fiscally conservative. You know, they don't get in crazy debt. And they're very focused on making sure they have enough. Now, I know, and we all know, a lot of people don't have a choice in making this decision, you know, to leave paid work early or to leave that and live the same lifestyle. Uh, so, again, you, you got to get that point where until you earn enough money to cover your basic needs of food, shelter, security, it's hard to think about anything else. And again, I know in this season, especially of, you know, coming off of Thanksgiving and coming into Christmas, that we're very fortunate that we have and, and serve the type of clients that we do where they have saved, they've done the hard work, which is save those resources. And uh, we just help them make sure that's is the most efficient, make it last, you know, pay less in taxes, all those things. So, so again, there are people who have plenty of money who chase after more at the cost of their former dreams. And there are people who have little money yet chase the dreams over money. And we all know people like that, you know, that, that make those choices. And I know that Walter, you, you've know people like that and heard those stories before. Oh, for sure. I think we've all, and we've all maybe even been there ourselves at different points and times of our lives. We can sometimes even shift in kind of those priorities and, and how we, you know, the order in which we try to attack things. Absolutely. And so when you think about what really is retirement, you know, you go from working 40, 50 hours a week and to zero hours a week. Literally. <laughs> yeah, overnight. Or sometimes you can transition into it, but you got a time raise is what you got. And that's where we talk about, you know, getting that 2000 plus hours back. I love that viewpoint, by the way, versus the whole, like, um, you're now unemployed. That's great. You got a time raise. That's fantastic. Yeah, absolutely. So what you did was transfer wealth from one form to another, from prioritizing financial wealth to prioritizing time mm. wealth. Very true. I mean, you want to control what you, what your schedule looks like, what you want to do. And that's what retirement is about is making that transition and using your financial wealth to provide time wealth. And we're going to talk about the different forms of wealth and it'll help us understand why society at large values financial wealth above all other forms of wealth. And as we get into this, we think about, you know, wealth, there's wealth that benefits only you. There's wealth that's beneficial to others. And so that's the benefit side of it. And the other wealth is convertible. You know, is it convertible to other kinds of wealth or is it non-convertible? Again, we talk about financial wealth, it's convertible to time wealth, okay? But not everything can be converted that way. And so as we talk about this, we're going to talk about uh, the forms of wealth and then the forms of wealth of time, basically, what we're going to cover. 
And uh, Scott, if it's all right with you, I, I want to put a, I want to put this graphic, this, uh, this, this, you know, this X Y axis. Yes. I, I, yes. Let's put a, I'll put a screenshot of that in the show notes so people can just kind of visually see that if they want to. This idea of who the thing is beneficial for and if it's convertible or not, so people kind of get that concept as you go through the through these five types of wealth. That sounds great. Okay. And so number one, we're going to start with time wealth, and I think this is a, a I heard I've heard this talked about before, but, you know, the question is, would you trade places with Warren Buffett in 2023? Would I trade place? No. Yeah. No, Walter, you would instantly become one of the top 10 richest people in the world. Yeah. But you'd also be 92 years 92. Old. Yeah, exactly. And at today's recording, uh, his Charlie bu- Munger. His buddy. Yeah. Yeah. 99 passed away. Passed away. Mm-hmm. Uh, so being a Dollar billionaire is great. It still doesn't buy you forever. No, but being a time billionaire may be better. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I, if you have, if you ask more, anybody, they'd rather switch places with somebody who was like, you know, eighteen, right? Rather yeah, than exactly even poor. Exactly. I'd be poor in eighteen again, Get rather than rich in ninety-two. Yeah, exactly. Because think about it: if you have more time, you can earn more money. If you have billions, you still can't buy more time. Mm-hmm. And I've got a little excerpt from a, a Tim Ferriss. I've enjoyed Tim Ferriss's work for years, uh, for our work week, many other things. Uh, he's got a great podcast. This little thing from Tim Ferriss. Uh, so time billionaires, what does that refer to? And he, this is a conversation with Graham Duncan. And he said, I was listening to a guy introduce, introduce a speaker a while ago. And he was saying, people don't really understand the difference between billionaires and millionaires. He said a million seconds is like 11 days. A billion seconds is 31 years. Wow. That puts it into context, doesn't it? Definitely. And so if you think about time billionaires that, you know, when you see sometimes 20-year-olds that the thought was, hey, probably have 2 billion seconds left, but they're relating to themselves as time billionaires and thinking about how if you could and what would Rupert Murdoch, who's worth $20 billion, he's 87 years old. What would he pay if he could take the next five years of someone's 20-year-old healthy body, mind, et cetera? I would imagine it's a pretty high price that he would sure. pay. Sure. He'd, he'd be willing to trade a lot of that capital. Yeah, absolutely. Because he wants to relive that and you know, have that vitality. Sure. And so time is the most irreplaceable form of wealth. Without it, no other wealth exists. Yeah. Yeah. No, 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 no other wealth matters or I guess even exists in the first place if you're out of time. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. And so and I, and I haven't been obsessed about this, but you've heard me talk about, you know, keeping track of of time and life experiences because we all have the same 24 hours a day. We just don't know how many those days we're going to string together. And when you think about time, you can use your time to benefit yourself or others through the work that you do. You can convert it to other forms of wealth by investing your time in it. I, you get a job to earn money. You exercise to become fit. Uh, you spend time with friends and family for your relationships or you're trying to learn a new skill. Your free time is the most precious only to you. And everyone wants to maximize it because of the optionality it brings. So the more free time you have, the more possibilities you can explore. Yet everyone in today's day and age wants a piece of your time. If you think about some of the biggest businesses in the world right now, where their product is free 
Think about Facebook, Instagram, YouTube. For the most part, those things are free. And when the service is free, you are the product. And the product that they want is your time and attention. Mm. And so we've got to think about protecting our time. And this is something that I, I don't obsess about it, but I think about a lot. And you've heard me talk about this. I haven't watched sports in going on four years. Yeah. And it's not because I don't love, I love football. I love college football. I love professional football. I've watched the chiefs play the super bowl, but I started adding up the amount of time that I was spending watching football. And it was a big number. I mean, like a gigantic number. Yeah. And if I kept doing that over a long life, it's like, holy cow, that's years of my life that I'm watching a sport that I'm most of the time gets me upset and my blood pressure up <laughs> because it doesn't go the way I want, you know? So, so again, your free time is not beneficial to anyone else unless you give it to them. Hmm. And unlike money, which you have to spend, I give to others to live your life you could be far more selective in who you spend your time with. So your free time is one of the most convertible forms of wealth. It is beneficially only to you. You can't transfer it to anyone else. Only you get to enjoy its benefits. So time, that's why I started with that, because I think we all should stand guard at our time Mm -hmm. and make sure that we're doing the appropriate things with our time. And that's why we started with that one. So yeah. I could probably espouse about that the whole time, but I don't want sure. to get into the other ones you, for sure. You got my wheels turning for sure. <laughs> you know, when, when we moved out to Colorado, I noticed a change in, in my time habits and priority. I, I went similar to you, but in a different direction. I still like football, but I realized I was blocking off way too much to watch games that I enjoyed, but I wasn't that passionate about. I just like, because mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't really have a favorite football team, but I like watching football. So now it's more of a, if it's on and I feel like I need that escape, I'm, I'm going to watch it, but I'm no longer spending all eight hours then plus the night game on a Sunday. No, we're going mm-hmm. into the mountains and doing other stuff. But I also increased and made a priority watching my favorite team, the New Jersey Devils, uh, because it was actually something I was really passionate about, and it brought me a lot of joy, even when they do lose, even that's frustrating. Like, I enjoy feeling that passion, and so I was like, no, this is a good expenditure of my time because it's fueling me and making me excited about life and something that I'm rooting for. And so I, I was able to make that transition and say, I'm going to prioritize this sport and deprioritize this sport over here and uh, and do a lot more hiking too. So anyway, uh, you got absolutely. my wheels turning on that. I, I didn't realize I had actually made that switch, but in retrospective view now, I'm kind of realizing it fits right into what you're talking about. Absolutely. And it, so that goes right into number two, which would be physical and mental wealth. Ah, they go hand and in hand. Surprise, surprise. They right? do. And I, I think you and I both have had a big transition in our lives over the past couple of years where I think we both had a point in our lives where we decided, hey, physical health mm-hmm. is important. And we both made conscious decisions to change our habits, to change our lifestyles and to become healthier. And I don't know about you, but it's amazing what opens up in the world when you feel better. It does. Yeah. And could you imagine eight years ago doing the amount of hiking and outdoor things that you do today? No. And I'm the same way, you know, I'm doing things at 50 that, you know, I could maybe do in my twenties and thirties, but forties, not so much. So, so this 
physical and mental wealth and Confucius great uh, quote says a healthy man wants a thousand things. A sick man only wants one. Mm. Oh, that's good. And if you think about, you can squander health just like money. You squander good genes with a bad diet, poor lifestyle, no ex- exercise. I was guilty of that. I still ex- I exercise, but I, I didn't do a good job with my nutrition. Sure. You know, I was weak, weak in the kitchen with my fork. <laughs> uh, you overcome physical debt with exercise, rest, a good diet, and a healthy lifestyle. So that physical wealth, as we get older, it's kind of this safeguard. It's kind of an insurance against old age. And it's that resistance to the inevitable degradation of the body. You know, my grandfather, perfect example, he's 99. I mean, he was playing golf a couple of years ago. That's cool. You know, and he's not doing great right now, but he had a long plateau of activity and good health and him at the very end, it's more of a steep drop off. And I think that's what most of us, if we could have this long, consistent plateau and a decline, quick decline at the end is much better than a slow agonizing decline over 10, 15, 20 years. Yeah, the, the, so, the, the speed of the end can be tough on those of us left behind, but it's probably what we would all wish for in that same spot, right? It's it, Absolutely, yeah, absolutely. It's, it's a blessing in some ways. So being physically wealthy but mentally plagued by worries, anxiety, fears, future meetings, that robs us of the ability to enjoy the happiness of the present. And the best book that I have read probably in the last 10 years, and I've read it six times now over the past year is called the gap in the game. And it has helped me realize, I think we'll probably do a whole podcast about this. Um, but it's helped me understand that most of the time we have an ideal that we're striving for and I'm a perfectionist. So I never get to the ideal and I measure how far we fell or didn't get to the ideal this book gave me this premise that ideals are like the horizon. And as you walk towards the horizon, you never get to the horizon. The horizon keeps extending out. So the horizon is a guide point. It's a trajectory. It's where we're headed to. Ideals are the same way. An ideal retirement. You're never going to have the perfect retirement. But if you have an ideal you strive for, and it's not measuring to where you are to where you wanted to be. That's the gap. Gosh, we should have been here. It would have been ideal, but imperfect if we could have done this. Hmm. The way I look at things now, what this book taught me is I need to look at where did I come from and where did we get? That's the gain. That's what's celebrated because it's progress. And sometimes progress is vast. Sometimes progress is infinitesimal. It's tiny. But it's progress, and it's getting us closer to our ideal or the horizon. And I would say that one thing, the way I look at progress, success, uh, ideals, my mind shift has changed 180 degrees. And it's made me chill out. It's Mm. helped me relax. And knowing that, hey, nothing's ever going to be perfect and if we get we if we can get a little better every day, some days it's a lot, some days it's little. Sometimes we maintain. That can be celebrated. That can be measured and quantified. That's 
what I find gives me the most amount of happiness and satisfaction. And the people that I've exposed to that idea have found similar things. So that really plays to that, the mental side of things. Uh, but I would say how the physical would be there. When I had this ideal of how I needed to be or wanted to be, there was a big gap from where I was to where I thought I needed to be. And the amount of things I thought I needed to do to get there were almost, was were almost impossible to think about. But as I look back, and since June of last year, June of 2022, there's massive improvement, massive gain. But I never would have got to where I am today if I wouldn't have looked at what am I going to do the next hour, the next three hours, the next day. And so all this is connected that, that you want to be physically able if you can be, but you also want to be mentally happy, stimulated. And I think once you have the time, because spending your time, I look at time as I want to invest my time and how do I maintain or improve my health physically and mentally. And that's been a fantastic shift. I've always been a very positive person, but I've luckily found some things that really helped me take it to the, to the next level when it comes to this category. I don't you I don't want you to know that I wasn't listening to you for a moment, but I did go to Amazon and buy that book that you recommended <laughs> literally while you were talking. So it's it's in my audible queue now and ready to be listened to. And <laughs> I would tell you, I the audible version is the best. Oh good. Okay, great. And having a physical copy while you're listening to it to me was key because oh, I did that the second time around. Okay. The book has about two and a half hours of interviews in it that the book doesn't have in it. Oh, interesting. So the Very physical cool. book. So combining those two, it's phenomenal. Nice. Excellent. All right. Very good. So we're through two of these forms of wealth. Um, we haven't heard about relationship wealth. I see that's next on the list. Curious to hear your your take and how that fits into everything else. I do. And I think the, the relationships or the wealth relationships that you surround yourself helps guard against the poverty of loneliness. And if you think about close friends, friends, family, acquaintances, all of them can contribute to our emotional well-being. So it's not the number of people that are around you that doesn't matter. You don't get to choose your family and after a certain age you also don't get to choose who your close friends are. And so you know, some relationships are transactional and they're akin to like monopoly money. They're not going to help you in real life. Only the quality of relationships matters, not the quantity. And I find myself as I get older, I have a smaller and smaller group of people. Mm -hmm. You know, I've got a lot of friends, but I've got a smaller group of people that I choose to invest more time into, you know, friends and family. And, you know, wealth of monetary assets with the poverty relationships is an awful existence. And I've seen that. I've seen that in my career uh, with clients over the years that, you know, having the means to enjoy all the, the things of life, but no one to share it with. Yeah. That's no, that's no life to live, you know? And so, you know, money's just a resource and it's a resource to get more of what you want in life but more importantly, share the joys with people that matter to you. Having a conversation with a client this morning, 
I said, Hey, you know, do we need to do any distributions for a year end? He goes, no, I think we'll be okay, but probably need one at the first of the year. I go, well, Hey, so what's going on? He goes, well, we're taking the entire family to Disney world for a week. <laughs> nice. And I said, I understand. <laughs> yeah. Well, we'll get that hundred thousand dollar withdrawal ready for you. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> And he's like, I got most of it in my savings emergency fund, but yeah, I probably need to top it off after in a new tax year. Uh-huh. But this is a very successful business person, you know, in his life. But I can tell you what he's getting ready to do means the world to him. And it's going to, it's going to make memories, you know, with his with kids and grandkids that two things have to exist here. You know, they've got the financial wealth, They've got the physical and mental wealth to be, you know, be able to do this. And they've got the relationships. So there's an example of all three mm-hmm. facets coming together and you need all three, you know, to be able to do it. So I mean, there was a study by the national Institute of aging and it talked about prolonged loneliness and, and we can probably link to the, to the article, okay. or the, excuse me, the, that in there, uh, but According to the National Institute on Aging, the health risk of prolonged isolation are equivalent to smoking 15 cigarettes a day. Really? Wow. What an interesting comparison. And social isolation and loneliness have been estimated to shorten a person's lifespan by as many as 15 years. Wow. That's unbelievable. And obviously the folks that are affected the most are older you know, cause that, that, that's what happens. You know, they can become isolated, live in different parts of the country. And so you can lose, lose a spouse. You can have your children might move away and yeah, it's easy to see how that can just, uh, just all of a sudden your circle just gets less and less. Mm-hmm. And I may have talked about this on a previous podcast, but we had lunch with a client. I know I did, uh, but it's, it's worth repeating cause it goes into this. Yeah, you know, he was a very successful business owner and he realized in his fifties that he needed to have some sort of hobby, some social outlet. So he started playing golf. And so it's 20 years later, roughly. And the night before he, he had just had, they have an annual kind of cookout gathering. And so it's all the guys that have kind of joined the merry band over the last you know 20 <laughs> years yep. and they play golf. And it's, it's 20 plus people. And he goes, I'm going to tell you, you need to have something you enjoy doing and you need to have a group of friends that you can count on. They can count on you. He goes, now I can't get all, you know, I can't call on all 23 of them at once because, but I, I guarantee you if I need it, I can get three to five of those guys to help me out and vice versa. And so that just goes that value of having, you know, a support network relationships um, that are greatly important and enhances all those things. So you think about that group. Well, obviously they're, they have the financial means to go play golf and do those things. They've got the physical mental well-being to be able to out there, you know, there, and it satisfies, ticks that relationship box. So I agree. You got to have things that you enjoy, keeps you active, keeps you engaged, keeps you sharp and kind of a support network. Yeah. All of that's really, really important. I mean, balance is a very key theme that I see emerging from these different types of wealth you've, you've brought up so far, at least these first three. Mm, definitely. And, and at least number four is we call it skills wealth. Hmm. 
And we're now you know, moving to wealth that is both convertible and beneficial to others, not just you. Okay. So having saved adequate resources for retirement, you're wealthy in skill at that time. Being wealthy in skills is usually a precursor of becoming wealthy in terms of money. And so if you're a business owner and you provide a service for clients, uh, your customers, then you're rewarded for it. If you were an executive for a company, you had skills that were transferable and were beneficial to the organization that helped other people. And so we trade our skills for money and status. And when you look at, you know, being able to transfer those things, once you parlay those skills, then you're rewarded financially for those. And if you put that money aside, that's what gives you the adequate surplus resources to be job optional, to make that transition and do what you want, when you want, with who you want. <laughs> but those skills, you know, you've got to have those. Uh, and there's no, there's no shortcut to get rich in skills. And obviously, most of our clients and listeners are either close to retirement or in retirement. You've honed those skills, and one of the one of the toughest things for some people to do is when work becomes optional and money is not the object, giving up practicing those skills that got you those resources, got you to that position can be tough because if you get status, you get recognition, you get prestige from the skills in your given business or your organization, you leave that, you don't have that adoration. And that can be a tough, tough skill. Now, here's the positive side. I don't want to be all gloom and doom on that. Most of the time when those skills that you have gained, you know, being a successful person, being successful at raising, you know, kids, they're going to help you make new friends, how to entertain friends. You talked about cooking. One of my skills is cooking. Now, I don't make money from that skill, but that skill allows me to entertain people, which I enjoy doing because of the skill I've acquired. Mm. Okay? And skills do compound. And so the more you learn, the better you become at learning. It makes it easier for, easier for you to learn new things. And so, again, when you have those skills, you also want to be able to transfer uh, as many of those skills as possible. Now, you, you can't fully transfer everything you've ever learned, but you can teach skills to others. And I see that in, in my business. I'm trying to transfer you know 20 plus years of knowledge into Tyler. And he's been unbelievable at absorbing those things. And so again, their skills are highly valued because you can convert them to financial wealth. They're beneficial to both you and to others. And those skills that made you successful in your working life and your family life will also pay dividends in your retirement life because that will help you make friends, learn new things, try new things, get out there and have adventures. I really like that. That's got my wheels turning. This one's a little bit deeper, I think, to kind of pick up on. But I can see this in people in my life, like my dad uh, is a great artist. 
and he never made a career out of it. He had some success with like having a booth at a festival and, you know, made a couple of extra dollars off of it and that kind of thing. But even when he was selling his work, he would love to just give it to people. Someone came into his booth and was like, oh my God, this is the most beautiful painting I've ever seen. This is amazing. Oh, I can't afford that though. He'd be like, well, how much can you afford it for? And they'd be like, oh, no, 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 like not even close. And he'd be like, name your number. And they'd be, they'd name something that was like 10% of what it was listed for. He'd be like, here, take it. He'd take it off the wall. My mom, who was like the business mindset behind him would be like, oh God. <laughs> but that skill, he's so good at it. He loves the, just, just making other people happy with that skill. Mm-hmm. So it's just really interesting to see that, that benefit to others, that transfer of skill taking place in, in that kind of example. So that, that's really neat. Absolutely. I think it's, we're, we're finding, and I, and I see it with my clients that are in the engineering world. We've got all these young people being, you know, going into the engineering world. And, uh, my clients that have been doing this for 30 years, 40 years, they know a lot and you can't hire a new person <laughs> and bring them fully up to speed in, you know, that short period of time. Oh yeah. And so wisdom experience, you know, having, having people that are seasoned around is valuable for a lot of companies out there. And I think it's starting to become a little more apparent that, uh, Hey, uh, some gray hair is probably good to have around, uh, to, uh, help the, help the younger folks, <laughs> you know, get, get acclimated and get good at what they're doing. Right. Yeah. You know, so, so in that, that when you're in your peak earning years, peak skill years in that second, you know, part of life, you want to be able to transfer experiences over, you know, to, to friends, family, yeah, because think about it. If you had a choice, if you said, hey, "I'm gonna, I want to leave my money, you know, to my family, or I want to leave my wisdom and experiences and the and the what I learned from life, which is more valuable in, in reality, the wisdom that you have, the experiences, and so making sure we transfer and have those conversations, I think, is important, you know, to to make sure people understand what you've been through, what you've experienced and how they could benefit from that. And what helped you ultimately get financial wealth, which is number five, learning those lessons from people standing on the shoulders of giants and people that have been there before that can cut a lot of time off of the learning curve. Mm. And I was very fortunate early on. I had people that kind of took me under their wing. They weren't easy on me. They had, sometimes they were downright, just brutal, honest, direct. It was not a kinder, softer, gentler time 20 years ago when I got into business, <laughs> but I've been through a lot and I've had great experiences and I avoided some of those mistakes, you know, that they said, Hey, I did this. I'm going to tell you, avoid it. Now you, you may may not listen. You may have, you may run into this, but I'm telling you, if you can avoid this, it's going right. to help you out. And it definitely has. If you so, want to be an idiot, you can still go ahead and do this, yeah. but to save yourself some time, Scott, and don't do yeah, I'm going to tell you how this is going to work. Right. Um, do you want me to keep it real or not? <laughs> exactly. So financial wealth is the most sought after form of wealth in the world. So that's, you know, money, investments, assets, those make up your financial wealth. It is the most convertible form of wealth. So you can use financial wealth to get almost anything you want directly or indirectly. You know, that's vacation home, travel, you know, vehicles, 
concerts, all those things. You can convert financial wealth into almost any material thing you desire. You can also use it to an extent to buy more time by hiring others to work with you or for you. Okay. And so my business owner clients, that's what you understand is you get to a point where in the beginning you did everything and then you become the constraint. So you understand that to have a bigger vision, a bigger ideal, a bigger horizon, that it's about creating opportunity for other people because there are things that I cannot even fathom doing on a daily basis, but there are people in the world that would be one of their greatest joys to do some of those things I don't want to do. Hmm. And likewise, there's things that I do that they would never want to do, but it's about expanding and giving people opportunity. And so when you think about that, you can also convert into physical wealth indirectly by hiring, you know, the best doctors, the best trainers, the best chefs, you know, for the healthiest food, you can convert that fiscal wealth into physical wealth. You can also convert that wealth into prestige recognition by getting involved in philanthropy. But your wealth is not just beneficial to you. It's also beneficial to everyone around you. So when you spend money, you're transferring wealth to other people in return for their services. Uh, people can sell you things, uh, get you to invest in their ventures or charm you out of it. Sometimes all of it together. Yeah. Not, not all of this is good transfer. Not, all, not right? all it's good. No, no. <laughs> or convertible. No. Being financially wealthy, it's not just about having money. It's also about the ability to do what you want, when you want, and how you want to. And being in a situation where work is optional means having almost no external obstacles to acquiring all the other forms of wealth, relationships, you know, physical and mental wealth. So again, you don't need to predict the future or know what you want in life if you have enough money. And most of the people that are listening to this podcast either are at the point of they, they're, they have their enough as enough number. They are in quotes, fiscally wealthy for their parameters to live the life that they choose to live or you're on your path to that. And again, I don't want to make it sound like we're, you know, money, 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 money. Money's just the resource or the fuel that lets you do what you want to do. And that's why it's important. And that's why we focus on, Hey, are, are we paying as little as we can in taxes? Are we investing correctly? You know, are, are we getting prepared for, you know, tax changes down the road? What we're trying to do is make sure that you keep more of that, those financial resources in your pocket, in your family's pocket, so you can do and have the things that you want to do. That's what planning is about, is making sure that that ideal that you're focused on, that, that horizon, that you're making incremental steps to get there. And we're trying to clear all the obstacles that are there to make sure it's the smoothest transition as possible. And so that's why yeah, we're, we're talking about money and we're, we're financial planners and do all those things. But again, it's just the machine. It's just the tool that lets you live your life on your terms. And that's what you get afforded if you've got to the point where what you have saved can provide you what you want to experience in life. It's huge. I see why, though, we put financial, um, you know, kind of at this 
we put it on a pedestal, but for many reasons, because yeah, although it may not be the, uh, the only thing in life, it does help unlock some of these other elements, some of these other things that transfer, uh, transferable nature of it, the convertible nature of it. Um, it, it helps just make life easier to accomplish some of these other balanced items that we're trying to strive for. And I, I think that you, you didn't go money, money, money all on the show today, Scott. I thought you balanced it really well. In fact, so many of, uh, so much of this episode uh, wasn't about the money part. You know, we saved it for last and, and honestly probably spent the least amount of time on it. So I think there's a lesson to kind of just be embodied and learned through that. And, and I think why I ended on that, you know, because financial wealth is probably the most coveted form of wealth because it's the most measurable and visible form of wealth. You look at your fidelity statement, you look at your bank account, you know, look at the price of your house, you know, your car. And so the value of anything is usually measured in terms of money. But the issue with that, of course, is that you only see the benefits, i.e. what you've earned, not what you paid to acquire it. And Henry David Thoreau had a great quote that says, the price of anything is the amount of life you exchange for it. And as I turned 50 in 2023, going to be 51 in 2024, I am very focused on what am I willing to sacrifice for certain outcomes? And what am I not going to sacrifice? What am I not going to spend my time doing and it's a worthwhile exercise. And so it's hard to quantify not having to, you know, have a daytimer schedule, every moment of your day scheduled, you know, waking up to an alarm mm -hmm. clock, spend the entire weekday, you know, at the park with your grandkids. That's hard to quantify. It's a lot easier to pull up your smartphone and, look at your e-money app and let you know what your net worth is or what you have in the bank. So having money means you're wealthy, but you ideally want it with all the other forms of wealth and you want money and time to enjoy it. You want money and the health to enjoy it. And you want money and the relationship to enjoy it with. And so it makes sense that we prioritize financial wealth because of the benefits it provides it also makes sense to measure what you're paying to acquire it. So whether you prioritize money above other forms of wealth or not, depends on what you value and what amount of life you're willing to pay for it. And there's a great book. Um, it's a book of basically of, of articles and speeches by Naval Ravikant. He's a successful Silicon Valley investor. It says money will solve all your money problems, but it doesn't get you everywhere. Mm. And when you think about that, a lot of times, again, money is just the fuel to do the things we want to do. And we try to take as much of the hassle factor of managing adequate resources and distributing paychecks and minimizing taxes and solving for healthcare, solving for long-term care, make sure estate plan is up to date, uh, make sure everything is working in concert. The reason that I have a business is because I was fortunate enough to decide I want to serve people that have had a very strong focus on financial wealth 
but they wanted to have financial wealth in order to do more of the things that are important to them. And they feel that if they can strategically delegate the management of those things to someone else, that in essence is buying back their time and letting them do more of those things. That's why we have a business. And that's why I'm extremely fortunate and why all 24 of us at Elevator Timer Group between here and Salt Lake City uh, are very thankful this season that we have attracted some fantastic people into our lives and we're very fortunate to serve them. And we can just hope that the impact and the positive impact they have on us in our lives and let us do what we want to do in our life. We hope the relationship is, it goes both ways and they feel great about, you know, knowing us and us being in their lives and they know that they can sleep well at night and spend the time doing the things that they want to do so they can do what they want, when they want, where they want, with who they want. Hmm. Love it. You brought it all together, Scott, and this was a great episode to end the year with, and I think it just gets the wheels turning and gets you thinking about what's important to you in life, but not just that very, uh, I don't know, that very static, okay, what's important to me, but then this actionable element too. How am I spending uh, my time? How am I deploying the resources of my skills? Uh, am I putting my financial status to work for me? All of the other things that we mentioned in today's episode um, really gets you thinking. And so I, I just appreciate you bringing this to light and uh, sharing it with folks. I hope uh, you listening to today's show enjoyed it and got something out of it as well. Uh, if you need help managing, navigating, especially the financial component of this, that piece of wealth, and making sure that that's taken care of in the best, most efficient manner possible, and that the headaches surrounding managing that side of the equation are limited as well, you could tap into the great knowledge of Elevated Retirement Group. Join that sort of work family, if you will, uh, by being a part of the team and uh, and joining, uh, joining and making sure that you're addressing this really important part of your life. Uh, if you want to get in touch with Scott, here's a couple of ways to do it. You can talk about your financial health and how to improve it into 2024 and beyond. 913-393-4724. That's the number to reach Scott. We'll put that in the description of today's show so you can find it easily as well. And you can always go to the website, listen to scott.com. We've got more great episodes for you there to check out and listen to and uh, hopefully learn from as well. Well, Scott, thanks for a lot of great episodes here in 2023. Can't believe it, but we're ready to turn the page to next year. And we'll look forward to talking to you again in the new year, my friend. I can hardly wait. Thanks, right. Walter. It'll be great. Thanks for joining us, everybody. We'll see you next time right back here on Your Retirement Elevated. Investment advisory services offered through Elevated Capital Advisors, LLC, an SEC-registered investment advisor.